Amen. Well, good morning. I want to especially welcome those of you who are new here this morning. Hi, my name is Alex. I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, we are uh, especially glad you're here. This is uh, your first time ever, or first time in a long time in a church setting. We've been hoping you'd make your way here some Sunday morning. What we are all about here at Chatham Community Church is really simple. Connect people to God, to each other, engage our world for good. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here this morning in your first visit here with us. This is sort of a uh, PS to a uh, series of messages called SOAR. The idea behind SOAR is that uh, the, we are invited to be filled with God, God's character, God's grace, God's truth, God's justice, God's love. And as we become men and women who are shaped by God's character, we then soar. Not soaring over our problems, but right in the middle of all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of challenges, we live out the character of God and the goodness of God as faithfully as we can in the midst of those sort of challenges and opportunities. And so today, as we're getting ready to go and live out sort of our faith next weekend with Chatham Serves, we want to talk about something that Jesus really introduced to the world, and that is this concept that soaring comes through serving. Soaring comes through serving. And it's important that we talk about this because it's almost never been more kind of countercultural and more counterintuitive than it is right here, right now. I was listening to a podcast a couple months ago of a really thoughtful Christian author, and he was talking about sort of institutions in America and the, and the changes in institutions in America over the last several years. And his argument was this, that institutions uh, have traditionally, many of them have traditionally been places of service. People saw themselves as public servants, as serving the common good, and they saw these institutions as shaping character both for them and the people around them. And his argument was, especially in politics and in the church, that institutions are no longer service spaces, they are now platforms for a personal brand. That people are leveraging, trying to use institutions to leverage their own personal brand, their personal agenda, their, their identities, right? And this happens in politics on the right and the left, not just the people that you don't like, right? But like everybody is doing this and say, this is a ubiquitous problem. And in the church world as well, that people are sort of using these institutions to sort of advance their own kind of personal agendas and personal sort of, you know, uh, sort of... Uh, careers and those sort of things. And so uh, he was arguing that when the, when the institutions become just a lever for your personal agenda, personal brand, to become full of misinformation, malformation, and toxicity. And nobody soars in an environment that's shaped by misinformation, malformation, and toxicity. Not even people who are trying to sort of advance their brand and kind of build their platform. Those people often just build it high enough for them to come crashing down all over again. And so... The good news is, it is possible to do the exact opposite. It is possible for us to follow Jesus into a community that genuinely soars. And the way that we do that is we, is we do it exactly the way that Jesus taught us to do it, which is we put Jesus at the center of it all, and then we live our lives and build our communities that reflect his values, his life. How did he live on this earth? Which is through self-giving, sacrifice, and service. That's how we soar. Not just a temporary fame that then comes crashing down, but a genuine soaring that demonstrates something of God's character here in a weary world. That's the kind of community that we're called to create, but it's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. And so after a couple of years of hiatus due to COVID and kind of the post-COVID recovery, we're putting Chatham Serves back on a Sunday morning, which we haven't done in like three years because of COVID. And we're putting it back on Sunday morning in order to demonstrate and to kind of communicate this matters to our community. We're doing it on a Sunday morning because we want to put this, at the, we want to put serving the way that Jesus taught us to serve back at the center of kind of who we are and what we're about. Because if we forget this, if we forget that soaring comes by serving, that we become just another institution that's lost its way in our community. 
And the community doesn't need any more institutions that have lost their way. We are here to create a soaring training ground kind of community as we follow Jesus together and live out his way together. And so next weekend, we're going to soar through serving. And today we're going to talk about and get to the heart of what does it mean for us to be a church that actually lives us out in a faithful way. And if you're brand new to faith, new to, new to church, new to Christianity, this is a great week to tune in because it really hopefully kind of orients you to the kind of church that we want to be and what we think it means to really genuinely follow Jesus in a way that's integrated into our lives. So today we're going to look at a, a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to a little church in the town of Galatia. Galatia is in modern-day Turkey, and Paul started this church, and he's starting lots of churches in the first century all over the Mediterranean area, and there's all these challenges to creating a Jesus-following church in the first century, just like they're in the 21st century. There's different challenges, but they're still the same challenges, and so Paul was writing this letter to the Galatians, trying to help them to, to understand what it means to be the people of Jesus. And so here at the end of his letter, we're going to, we're going to drop in Galatians 6. There's sort of a buckshot of these different uh, descriptions of what kind of church community, Jesus-following community looks like, what's distinctive about it. And as we look at sort of this buckshot of these different things that Paul writes, I want to invite you to see how is serving and loving kind of one another, how is this sort of Jesus sort of style way being integrated into all the things that Paul writes as he tries to equip this, this sort of brand new church. They're all brand new Christians. Some of them come from a Jewish background. A few come from a pagan background. All of them are learning this brand new thing called the way of Jesus. And so here's how Paul kind of con concretizes it, makes it more concrete in how they're to live life together. Galatians 6, starting in verse 1, Paul writes this. Brothers and sisters. Oh, Angela, I think I lost my slides. It's okay. Galatians 6, verse 1, there it is. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and this, this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves with someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So I have a, a rule of thumb when, uh, that I developed with my kids that I continue to kind of try to live out uh, with other people, adults and normal people, humans. Not, my kids are normal people too, but you know, they're humans too. But and, and the thing is, when something happens that I'm frustrated with, like someone genuinely does something wrong, or there's uh, clearly something that's out of line or out of bounds, I try not to respond immediately unless it's like life-threatening, like unless something kind of critical. What I, I try to wait to respond until I can answer the question, am I for this person or am I just frustrated against them? Am I for this kid or this adult, or am I just angry at them? Because it feels kind of good to be angry at them, right? It feels like I'm right and they're wrong, and I can't wait to tell them that. It feels kind of nice and self-righteous. But, but when I'm in that space, I'm not yet ready to have the conversation. Because the more important thing is, am I able to communicate what I'm for, what I want? Not just, not just I'm angry at you for this behavior, but what do I actually want for them? Because what Jesus shows us is that every time God says no, it's there to serve a larger yes. Every time God says no, it's there to serve a larger yes. So how is my no serving the larger yes to this person, even if I'm frustrated with them? How is my no serving them to become the person that I think God intended them to be and wants how, they, how to live in community? 
This is something of what Paul gets to at the very beginning of the passage we just looked at as he's sort of giving instructions to how to live in the Jesus way. Paul has spent the whole letter to the Galatians helping them to understand the really good news that God has done something new in Jesus. And that where previously people thought that you had to earn your way to God's yes by following the religious commandments, the Old, the Old Testament rules. Previously, that was the way to get to God's yes. That's how they understood how you got to God's yes, by doing all the right things. Paul says God's done something totally new in Jesus, and the good news is this, that Jesus' death on the cross is God's yes to us. Jesus' death on the cross is God's yes to you this morning. You don't have to earn it. You can't earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You can't deserve it. Jesus' death on the cross is God's yes to you this morning. It comes by grace. It comes by mercy. It comes by love. And you don't have to generate it. You just receive it and let that grace shape you and remake you. We are a community of God's yes in Jesus to all people. That's who we are. That's the grace that races to meet us in spite of our sin and in spite of our mistakes. And so Paul starts off with this description of what it means to be in Christian community. And he says, listen, some people are going to resist this and reject this, right? Even people in the church are going to resist this and reject this. And so Paul says, listen, if someone in your church community sort of sins against them, against God, against each other, those of you who are spiritual should go to restore them gently, restore that person gently, kind of confront them gently, gently. If you've ever seen someone do something wrong that's made you angry, you know how hard the gently can be, not self-righteously, not angrily, gently coming alongside and saying, hey, there's something that's happened here. Let's deal with it. Now, the word gently is important, but the real core word there is restore, right? Because restoration is what it's all about. Jesus' death on the cross is about restoring us into right relationship with God, into us right relationship with each other, into right relationship with the world. It's restoring us to become the men and women God designed us to be. Restoration, Jesus accomplishes this on the cross. He unleashes sort of restoration power into a broken world and says, I'm gonna do something new, I'm gonna grow something new, and I'm gonna unleash this power, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm gonna restore a broken world. It is happening, it will happen, and one day Jesus will come and make all things new to restore all things. And so Paul says we are to cooperate as Jesus people with Jesus' restoration project, his restoration power, his restoration work. We are to restore people as graciously as we can. And so we come alongside people who make mistakes, who sin, and say, hey, we want to restore you. Come and be a part of the restoration community. Come and be a part of the relationship with God that you were designed for. And so here's the good news. As those of us who are Jesus followers, and this is really challenging for some of us, we are never against anyone. Christians are never ultimately finally against anyone. We're always hoping for repentance. We're always hoping for restoration. We're always praying. Even, even your worst enemy, even the person you think is like the most frustrating, maddening person you've ever met, we are always ultimately for that person. We're always praying that God might say no to them that they may, in order to serve his larger yes. We are never ultimately against anybody. We're always praying always hoping for restoration. And we're always willing to participate in that work of restoration in any way possibly that we possibly can. If you're here this morning or tuning in online, you're not a God person, not a Jesus person, and your life is a mess, and you've made all kinds of horrible mistakes in the past, in the present, I've got really good news for you. You weren't made for that. It's not who God made you to be. The restorer has come to forgive you of your sins. And to invite you into becoming the man and woman God designed you to be. And we here are the community of restoration. 
participating in this great restoration work. And we are willing to serve one another as best we can to sort of usher each other into that work of restoration. We're here to serve and love one another into the place of restoration for each other and then out into the world. And so Paul pulls this thread of sort of restoration work that we serve one another gently and graciously as we come alongside and care for each other. And he says this specifically, he says, I want you to carry each other's burdens. And in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. And this is really striking in context because Paul spends the whole book of Galatians saying, not the law, not the law, not the law, because there's people in Galatia who love the Old Testament law. And, and, and Paul loved it too. He was a Jew and loved the Old Testament law. But he says, listen, it's not about the law anymore. It's not primarily about the law. But then Paul says, listen, if you really love the law, here's the law that you can live by, the law of Christ. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, a few hours before that, he's giving some of his last instructions to his closest friends, his disciples, and he says, I'm gonna give you a new commandment. My new commandment is love one another. That's what you're supposed to do. If you want a law, go love each other. That's what it looks like. Love is one of the things that was gonna shape this community. One of the practical ways we can love one another is by carrying one another's loads, serving each other as best we possibly can. We've got a great team of superheroes here at Chatham Community Church, uh, and they're called the DART team. And the DART stands for Disaster and Relief Response Team. It's been a thing for the last couple of years. And basically, it's just a text thread of like 25 people in our church who, uh, who respond to needs in our church, like any kind of needs. Like uh, we, we fix so many like widows, dryers, uh, gutters, mowed lawns, delivered groceries. Like it's just tangible handyman light work or service kind of projects. We've walked dogs. Like, so the DART team is a really great team. If you're not aware of it, you can text enroll to the number on the screen and you can be a part of that wonderful DART team. They are just there to meet needs in our community. It has been awesome to watch this team go to work. In fact, last weekend, Hurricane Ian rolled through. Two widows contacted us. Both of them had roof damage. Within 48 hours, all done, all fixed. One of those roof responders, the guy was sick. He's like, I'm only running like 75%, but you know what? Gets on the roof and fixes the roof at 75% energy. Not his roof, not his circus, not his monkeys. And yet there was a call to serve, an invitation to serve, to carry someone else's burden that he could carry, she couldn't carry. He carried it until there wasn't anyone's burden to carry any more. And thus he fulfilled the law of Christ. Now there's an interesting tension in the text and you might not pick it up because it's separated by a few verses. And the tension in the text that Paul writes is this. He writes two things that seem sound contradictory. The first thing he says is carry each other's burdens. And then he says each one should carry their own load. So which one is it? Which one is it? Carry your own burdens or carry each other's burdens? And the answer of course is yes, both. All the above. We follow Jesus, who is the servant king, who carried our sins all the way to the cross. And so we are always predisposed to carrying one another's burdens. That's what we do. And at the same time, in a fallen world, there are people who are going to game the system. There are people who are going to kind of lie, cheat, and steal their way through life. And so we say no to that. In order to the larger yes of you becoming the man and woman God designed you to be. We get people all the time from the larger kind of Chatham County community calling the church for help. 
pay bills or deal with things or whatever. And we're always glad to hear those requests. And we have a whole team of people that look into them. And we have some, we have some parameters. We're not going to give you money. We'll pay the bill directly, but we won't pay you directly, those sort of things. And every now and then, we have a team of people, especially, who love to investigate requests because every now and then there's some suspicious stuff that goes on. Like, this sounds a little squirrely. So we'll do a little investigation. Some of these people are a little obsessed with investigations. They kind of like this stuff a little too much. But we'll, like, every now and then we kick over someone who's really just trying to work the system. And so you know what we say? We say no to you working the system in order to say yes to you becoming the man and woman God designed you to be. God didn't make you to work the system. God didn't design people to lie, cheat, and steal their way through life. Here's the, like, the good news is this. You taking responsibility for what's yours to take responsibility for is humanizing. It's dignifying. It's ennobling. And so sometimes we carry each other's loads and we pay bills and care for people in our community. So often we pay for issues or, or needs here in our own church community. Sometimes often we say yes to that. And sometimes we say no in order to serve the larger yes to make sure that people are becoming who God designed them to be. See, there's a number of things that are uh, dehumanizing for us, right? A number of things that are dehumanizing for us. One is just blatant sin, right? Lying, cheating, stealing. Those things steal, kill, and destroy our souls. They do, they do damage to us, and they do damage around us. But there's another thing that's also damaging, and that is this thing called learned helplessness. And learned helplessness is when you've had so many things go wrong and go bad that you just kind of give up on life. You kind of give up on any agency or any sense that you can make the world a better place, that you can do wise, good things. And sometimes, man, people are just so beat down by that, that learned helplessness thing. And so part of our yes to people when we say no is, listen, you're not helpless. God's given you agency. Let us come alongside you and help you to become a man or woman who takes responsibility for what's yours and to be responsible for as you can. We're going to help you to step into that good news that you're actually a man or woman who can do things. That's life-giving. That's ennobling. That larger yes to becoming people of character and or people of agency that's an important step. In fact, there's a study, uh, this, this whole field of study in the last 25 years or so has come up about well-intentioned programs that actually harm people more than help them. Well-intentioned programs. There's a book called When Helping Hurts. People who try to help, but they end up sort of facilitating this learned helplessness or a codependency on external factors. And so there's a thing, there's an important work we got to do to make sure that we're helping other people carry their burdens as best they possibly can. And sometimes that means coming in and fixing things, and sometimes it means let us help you to fix the thing. So Paul here says both those things because they're both true. We carry each other's burdens and we encourage and ennoble and sort of help others to carry their own load. But in each case, we're serving others by saying yes to them in Christ Jesus. We're always the community of God's yes to people as best as we possibly can. So Paul continues to pull these threads as he kind of, in the, as he kind of rounds out his instructions to the community. He says this, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I was having lunch this past week with someone in our church community. He asked me a really great question. He's like, how's our church doing? Like, how are people in the church doing? Like, particularly post-COVID and gathering, all that kind of stuff. How's everybody doing? And I was like, it's all over the place. Right? All over the place. Some of you are new in the last six months to Chatham Community Church. And, and some of you, many of you, the story is you moved during COVID. What a great time to move. 
and you haven't, like, you haven't met anybody, haven't really met, got a community, and you're finally kind of finding a way to get out and getting plugged in. We're so glad new people have joined us in the last six months. It's been so fun having new faces, new energy. All those of you, you got done with COVID, and you were like a chained monkey. You're like, I can't wait to get out of here and go do stuff. Like, so you're back at it. You're traveling like all over the world, all across the, all across the country, all those check, check, check. Your kids have 16 soccer tournaments every weekend, and you're here for it, right? You're just all in with the busyness, right? So some of you are crazy busy all over again, and you can't wait to get there. Some of you are just exhausted, just wiped, like PTSD, post-COVID trauma, like you're just like, oh, what just happened to me and my world and those sort of things. And some of, so some of us are crazy busy, some of us are just exhausted, some of us are crazy busy and exhausted all at the same time. It's a delightful combination. And so to all of us, there's an important sort of command and scripture that we need to kind of get a hold of, this anchor of let us not become weary in doing good and let us do good to all people. There's a word to both those of us who are crazy busy and those of us who are a little bit tired and exhausted. First of all, it's just really important to see this is a biblical priority. If you are following Jesus, you are to serve. No way around it. A lifetime of service. This is what we're called to. It's a critical factor for all of us. And to those of us who are crazy busy, I want to speak to you first. To those of us who are crazy busy, here's the thing, okay? So when I get crazy busy, here's the trap I fall into, and maybe you fall into it too. You can get so crazy, crazy busy with you that you forget the all people part. Am I just crazy busy with me? My job, my travel, my family, my stuff, my, 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 all the things that are right here. My, you know, thing. Listen, nothing wrong with any of those things, right? Nothing wrong with you. Well, I mean, there might be things wrong with you, but we'll talk about that later. Nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with your job, nothing wrong with travel, nothing wrong with your kids and the soccer terms, nothing wrong with all of it. But here's the deal, when you get crazy busy, you can get so consumed with the things right in front of you that you can forget that part of being a Jesus follower is looking up and saying, what about the all people part? Like, i.e. the people that aren't connected to me, not the people in my family. Am I doing anything to serve the all people, the people outside of me, outside of my immediate sphere, my immediate demands. Is there any part of my life that's reflecting the call on the Jesus follower to do good to all people, i.e. not people that I just care about naturally, but people who are outside my sphere? And listen, there's gonna be different, this is gonna look a thousand different ways in different stages of life. It's gonna look different when you're single than when you're married, when you got little kids and teenagers and empty nesting and grandparenting and grandkids. And some of you have medical issues that sort of inhibit that. There's no way form, there's no one size fits all picture for what it means to be, to be looking out and serving all people. And, and in fact, there might even be times where you need to take a break. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But my friends, here's the question I want you to ask. Does your calendar and or your bank statement reflect this call to do good to all people? That is, does your calendar or your bank statement reflect the call for you to be serving outside of what's right in front of you? Your own family, your own work, your own job, your own what, and whatever size, shape, form it takes in this season, that needs to be a part of who we are as Jesus followers and what it means to be Jesus followers. On the other hand, to those of us who are weary comes this call, let's not become weary in doing good. That can be both comforting and convicting. It's comforting because Paul wouldn't say, don't get tired of doing good unless what? People got tired of doing good. <laughs> it is, it's, right? Like, he wouldn't address it except that it's a thing, right? It's a thing. It was so easy to get weary of doing good. It's so easy to kind of try and be good, try and be good, try and be good, and like, man, nobody cares, or it's not doing anything, or you're just exhausted, right? So what do we do about the fact? Okay, here's the thing. Soaring comes from serving, and it is completely possible to serve and get tired of it and grow weary in doing good. So what do we do? 
It's been fun to have my new small group together the last few weeks. Super fun. We have a bunch of uh, people who are new to each other, some people who are new to the church. And uh, so we've been kind of doing some like, get-to-know-you kind of questions and discussion. And uh, last week, someone in my small group uh, who is here now, who, I sh- who shall remain, remain, remain nameless, said to me that they're brand new to the church, and for the first four weeks, they ducked me entirely. They did not talk to me at all because they were afraid I was going to ask them to do something at the church. Some of you had been ducking me for years thinking the same thing. They wouldn't talk to me at the church. They, would talk, they didn't want, like, like, they didn't want, they, they, they sheepishly admitted they're my small group. They've done all the things. Like they've led Sunday school classes for kids. They've led small groups. They've sung before. They've done all the things. They just needed a break. And I said to them, gotcha. Actually, what I said to them was, totally get it. Blessings on you. Sometimes the best thing for a life of serving is taking a break from serving. Sometimes the best thing. Because soaring comes through serving over a lifetime. And soaring through serving for a lifetime means it's going to be punctuated by important breaks and rests. It's better for you to serve for five decades than serve for five months, burn out, and never do it again. Right? Better for you and everyone around you if you adopt a lifestyle of serving, which includes wise, thoughtful breaks and pauses to say, hey, we need a break because I don't want to serve out of bitterness or obligation. I don't want to get burned out. I am willing to take breaks. This is my no to serving for now in order to say yes to a lifetime of serving, right? So no, that serves the larger yes. And so yes and amen to taking breaks, resting, sort of stepping back for a minute to hit the pause button. But listen, it's never you're done with serving. Never. As long as you follow Jesus, you're a servant. You are never done with serving. You've never checked the box. You're never over serving. And so some of you, what happens is this. Sometimes you take a break from serving and it feels kind of nice. And what was going to be like a two-month break turns into a two-year break or a 20-year break. Ah, it's been nice not, not serving. So to those of us who have pushed pause for a minute that turned into an hour, that turned into a lifetime or a couple decades, I want to bring back the scripture that Paul says. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so if you've been on pause for serving for a while, one, Chatham service is actually a great opportunity because it's not an ongoing commitment. It's a one-time thing and one and done. That's great. And then the larger question of, hey, you know, if you've taken a pause from serving and it's turned into like a longer pause than you thought it was going to, I want to invite you just to be open to the call that you're never done serving, that serving over a lifetime is how we soar. We follow Jesus as we serve. And there's look different ways, different times, all that kind of thing, right? All the things I said before, but I invite you to step in, to take up the mantle and say, yes, this is how Jesus calls me to live. Finally, just to make sure we're honoring the fullness, I mean, there's a lot of scripture we, we're, we're, that we read that we're not gonna talk about, but there's one, one little phrase that Paul talks about here at the very end. He talks about doing good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. You know, Jesus said one of the things that the world was gonna know about his disciples, he's like, listen, the world's gonna know you're my disciples by how you love each other. That's how the world's gonna know, how we love each other. And I don't want to say this, no church has ever done this fully or perfectly or completely. It's always a work in progress. But here's what I'm really, really impressed with. Y'all do a great job loving each other. We do. Even the people that drive you crazy, because that's always going to happen. Great on your nerves. We work hard here to be patient with each other, love each other as best we possibly can. As a church, much of our money, time, energy goes into creating environments that serve one another, right? Like 
our kids programming, Sunday mornings, small groups. A lot of what we do is caring for the family of believers, just like Paul says here. That's a, that's a primary place. For, and obviously, if you're not a Jesus person, not a Christian, we're so, so glad you're here. You're always welcome, but let's not kid ourselves. It's a church. It's mostly Jesus people. And we're so glad that you're here, willing to wade in with the weird Jesus people. Thank you so much for being a part of things here. But listen, much of what we do is about caring for the family of believers. And every so often, we put a date on the calendar or a block of money aside and say, this is for the all people part. We're going to give this money away to people not in our church. We're going to give this time away to people who are not in our church. And Chatham serves as one of those things. We put a flag down and say, we are here for Chatham County. We're here for the community. And we're going to do everything we can to make a difference in Jesus' name in our community. We're going to do good to all people. Even as we spend week in and week out caring for people in the family of faith. Chatham serves as one of those events. I want you to be a part of it. Because here's the deal. Historically, what's happening right now in our culture institutions that were once designed as public service spaces have become platforms for personal advancement. They become unhealthy communities that are not built around the Jesus way of serving. And so we don't want to forget that. We don't want to become a, a community that's just a country club or just hanging out with each other or even just a place where you can kind of get a little bit of a spiritual fix and kind of a respite for your soul, as important as that is. We want to be a community that's committed to serving, living out the call from Jesus to serve one another to serve our community, living out the call to be instruments of his restoration work. He has unleashed a restoration power that will never, ever, ever be shaken and won't ever be stopped until the day he comes and makes all things new. We participate in that restoration power the same way that he laid track for it to happen by serving one another in love. Today's wildly important take home. There's a few things to kind of take home and think about and pray about. One, soaring comes through serving. That is participating in the restoration work of Jesus over a lifetime. We obey the work of Christ. We obey the law of Christ to love others. That's one of the ways we're becoming men and women who carry the character of Christ in us. Sometimes we carry one of those burdens, right? Sometimes we fix houses and repair roofs and that kind of thing. And sometimes we say, hey, we're going to let you carry that load because responsibility is ennobling. But we're always, always, always looking to obey the law of Christ to love one another. The call is overall, let's not grow weary and doing good to all people. Sometimes that means making serving a priority. Does my calendar and my bank statement reflect the call of my life to be a doing good to all people kind of a person? That's going to look differently, different seasons, different stages, different ages, different amounts of money, different amounts of time for the course of your life. But does, does your life at some way, shape, or form reflect that all people outward looking kind of a look? And then sometimes that means we rest in order to serve a lifetime of serving. Sometimes we pause take a break to serve a lifetime of serving. Because the goal was that you and I might spend our lives doing what Jesus did, sort of what we're learning and cultivating, a life of service to one another, to the world around us. And sometimes we gotta take a break in order to serve a lifetime of serving. And so the invitation, of course, is that you might join us next week for Chatham Serves and be a part of the community and be a part of what God's doing here and be a part of this concrete way that we put service front and center in our community. But even if you can't be here next week or even if like you're out of town or whatever, I want to invite you to help us to become a community that demonstrates the way of Jesus, that demonstrates the work of Jesus, that we might become men and women who soar as we become men and women who follow Jesus right into serving the way he made us the way he meant us. May that be true of me. May it be true of our community as we follow the Jesus way in the Chatham Serves and beyond to create and build this soaring training ground called Chatham Community Church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being a servant. Thank you for serving us. Thank you for serving us generously, faithfully, willingly. Thank you for the ways that you laid down your life 
Thank you for your yes to us from the Father. Thank you that we can't earn God's yes to us. Thank you that we just receive God's yes to us. We pray that our hearts and minds would be open to that. Lord, for my friends who are here who uh, are new to that, who are new to your grace, would that ring true? Would you and your kindness speak words of life in us and through us? Lord, would you help us to carry each other's burdens, whatever that looks like. And there's different seasons of that, and there's times when it's, it's easier or harder for us to do that. Would you help us to be people whose lives reflect this value? And Lord, for my friends who, who need to take a rest or, on, or are taking a rest, would you restore them physically, emotionally, spiritually, that they might serve for a lifetime joyfully, bearing good fruit. Lord, I pray a blessing over Chatham serves. We pray for great weather. We pray for great projects. We pray for a great spirit among us as we go to serve. Would your Holy Spirit fill us to go bless Chatham County? Lord, would, our, would your spirit be upon us as we serve Jesus just like the spirit was upon you as you served? We ask in Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen. Amen.